Keith Varney. And me. Way back in high school, most every night. My mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat and stream it. So good at improving that. I'll just say yes and. You'll say yes and, but you won't say your name. Have you already become so ashamed of our podcast you won't introduce yourself? (laughs) No, it's a subtle callback to you forgetting your name two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know, I on our first podcast that we did, I didn't use my uh, my real name. I remember that. I can't remember the reasoning, but I probably have a pretty good idea why that is. Well, no, because because it, it was a uh, it was a podcast about theater, and we are both in the theater industry, and uh, it's foolish ever to uh, give any real opinions, uh, especially within your industry. So happily, we are uh, with the practice. I have no hope whatsoever of uh, having anything to do with this television show, so I think we're okay. That's true. It is dead and buried, so uh, or we should say completed instead of dead, maybe. No, it it is evergreen thanks to Hulu, who sh- you know, and feel free to sponsor us, Hulu. Yes, brought to you not officially by, but in <laughs> indirectly by Hulu. Actually, I I think the it's a reverse sponsorship in that I pay Hulu forty five dollars a month. You pay them forty five dollars. What do you do? TV? Yeah, I get the live TV. Oh, interesting. It is my it is my cable. Hulu is my cable. My brother pays them something. <laughs> we all know what that means. That's all. I'll leave it there. Hypothetically, yes. Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically, so uh, we are here today to talk about the season finale of uh, the first season of The Practice. Wrapping it. Are up, you excited? Yeah, in a brief six episodes. A very brief six episodes. It was like, uh, it was peak TV before peak TV was a thing. We have a very big, uh, very big case to bring to a close. Hopefully bring to a close. Yeah, we're going to find out. Yeah, because as uh, as has become our new tradition, uh, Mike does not watch the episode before we do this because he doesn't like homework. So uh, never did. It is going to be a live viewing uh, as usual. I'm excited. I've been... Uh, Eagerly anticipating seeing what how we wrap this up, and also finding out if there's any sort of circle back to Eleanor's dating life. Because when we left last left our intrepid heroine, she uh, gave some guy the boot and then put on the waterworks because uh, she doesn't like being uh, objectified or or not objectified, shall we say? Uh no, I, I believe she gave him the boot because she doesn't like uggos. Yeah. Well, which is why I never got a date. That is an official term. We're coining it. Hashtag uggos. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll, here I'll. 
Yeah, I shouldn't have said Argos. Yeah, you should have let that play out. We should just jump right into the segment since here we are. Oh yeah, do, do we have some? Do we have some objections I, from the uh, previous episode? I'm going to object on the behalf of our audience. So go ahead. Oh please, play around. Yeah. Uh, oh. Oh, you want me to play it again? No, at least finish it. Oh, all right. Keith and Mike. Yes. The audio quality of last week's episode. Oh my goodness! Was an absolute catastrophe. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. I, so here I am, the whole episode mocking you for just your for Pro Tools in, obliterating itself. Yes. What I didn't know is that the USB headset that I was wearing because I was on the road must have had mm-hmm. a loose connection or a wire fried. You had mentioned oh, something. No. The hum was absolutely terrible so i had to put it through a low pass filter or a high pass filter and it basically put me through a tin can and then at the end we were all mixed it was just an atrocity so i would like to object (laughs) and apologize in one breath i've invested in a travel usb mic so that the next few episodes while i'm on the road will be uh better excellent well and this kids is why i don't listen to our podcast (laughs) (laughs) also because it might be terrible and if, and, uh, uh, you know, I mean, we could use the listen. That's true. That is very true. That would also mean that <laughs> you would be penny. listening to an episode three times. You watch it, then you rewatch it with me, and then you'd have to listen to it. So that's a lot. That's that's true. Well, and remember, I watched back in the 90s. Ooh, four times? Four times, You might be the, the official uh, official word on all things practice after this. The uh, I I well clearly I will I will definitely have devoted more of my life to it than any person who didn't work on the show. <laughs> well, okay, so uh, that's the only objection I have, unless you have anything further. No, I mean I have so many objections, but they're more about my life and my life choices than necessarily this podcast. Although to be fair, this podcast is a life choice that I might object to. You not only object, you made it. It was your you pitched it to me. <laughs> I did indeed. All right. Well, what do you say we? Uh, it's about time for This Day in the Basement. And this episode was aired on April 8th, 1997. What were you doing in 1997, April 8th? Well, Keith, I was absolutely still digging out from the April Fool's blizzard of the previous year. However, sure. I also recall around this time of year, you know, we, we joked about me hating homework, and that isn't much of a joke. I actually really always have hated homework. But there was one project I had to do my sophomore year of high school for a physics class with Mr. Freeland, uh, where we had to... What's up, Mr. Freeland? Vreeland. Vreeland. I'm sure he's listening. Sorry, sorry. Sure I, listening. I, I know he's listening. I'm sure he's so listening. we will definitely get it in an objection. Uh, where we had to... He built this uh, anti-gravity machine that basically was like a, a drop cylinder. So it was this crate that, you know, dropped from this high stairwell and you had about, I think it was like 1.2 seconds of weightlessness during the drop. Oh, Where we had to devise with a group of people a an experiment to run in that uh, zero gravity or low gravity environment. And so we got this really cool thing where we put a water balloon and attached it to like this board with a nail on it so that uh-huh. in those seconds... The gravity would pop the balloon and we'd see if the the water, our hypothesis was that the water would stay in balloon shape because there was nothing moving it. Okay. And then I used my new Packard Bell computer. 
Oh, uh, to that had a t- do a little slow mo. Yeah, that had a TV card to do a little slow mo. And damned if that water balloon didn't stay intact as a just circular glob of water in the shape of the balloon once it popped. And uh, it was what, and I got to do all my fancy editing 1997 skills. <laughs> Holy science! And it was uh, huh. it was awesome, man. It was it was what education could be at its finest. It, yeah, right. Remember when there used to be such a thing? Yeah. Well. It's kind of cool now. I work for a. I, I also work for a an ed tech startup where, um, I, I get to see a lot of teachers converting their lessons to really interactive online e learning spaces. And there, oh, cool. there are some educators doing some really crazy cool things. So there's still hope. That's great. Well, you know, and uh, for those of you who were the early adopters of video cards, even <laughs> I also had a capture card in 1997. Hell of yeah. course. Uh Boy, those things were awful. Terrible. RGB. And Oh, absolutely RGB, but just getting like getting the card to work. Oh yeah, the drivers like, you needed oh, and it didn't work. You had to with go everything. into like DOS and oh, it was an absolute nightmare. Uh I in fact I started with a uh what was called a snappy. Do you know what a snappy was? It just took stills oh, from uh, from video. Uh it was like before the computer could even do capture the video i just took stills and so i would go and i would capture all these stills of phil sims from all the tapes <laughs> the game tapes that i had <laughs> oh man and they're all like 320 by 240 just like like a pixel that's sort of bluish and we're like i think it's phil sims i used to actually i would cycle up so i had an actual tv program uh, and you could run an rf signal into the card and mm-hmm. so i would cycle up to the naughty channels that we uh-huh. didn't pay for so they wouldn't come in but you know, every right. like every minute to five minutes, like they would just sort of like clear up, and you'd see, see sort of like an X-ray version of the of uh-huh. the scene. Oh yeah, sure. And so I would freeze it real quick. And so on my computer, I would just save all these stills of like blurry, sort of the outline of what could be a, an <laughs> ass or a boob or something. It and could be a boob. It was awesome, and I stored them in like a special secret folder. As turns out, we're grown men, so we still have those secret folders somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah that the 90s were different i can't even imagine what it would be like to be a kid today with that kind of stuff anyway uh yeah so i i, I will actually my this day in the basement is a bit of a spoiler for what's coming up on this day in the world so i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap them up a little bit okay. and say that the number one movie was anaconda the fantastic Anaconda film. I don't know that I've it, ever seen Anaconda. Oh my god, are you kidding me? With J-Lo and John Voight? I've absolutely never seen Anaconda. It is unbelievable. It's 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 garbage, but it's really like fun garbage. It's like a it's a certainly like a B movie where they get chased around by a giant uh, anaconda, but it's like a B-movie that knows it's a B-movie where they spent a ton of money on it. So like a snakes on the plane type of thing? Uh, sort of. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like giant snake in the jungle and John Voight is like chewing the scenery mm. like you wouldn't. There, There's a scene, he gets eaten by the snake, he gets spit out by the snake, he's dead, and he literally winks at the camera. Like, full-on wink to the audience and the snake growls oh i like it it's amazing but uh anyway so that my this day in the basement is the this was the only time i've ever been to a drive-thru 
but I went with my father and my uh, little brother. Drive in? And we went dri- drive in. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've been to a few drive throughs <laughs> You can totally see that. Uh, <laughs> went to the drive in and we saw a double feature of Anaconda and Jurassic Park 2. Ooh, the finest Jurassic Park. And it was amazing. Uh, I it just. I've never been to it, a drive in. Really? Mm. It's, it's, I mean, I've only been to one and I remember just getting eaten alive by bugs. That was annoying. But it's, it's actually, it was really cool. I mean, you got the big screen there. You're in your car. You use your car's own audio because they set up a radio signal there. So you can turn up as loud or as li- whatever you want to do and like make a thing of it. So uh, that was a fun memory. Non sequitur, but I felt like I wanted yeah. to point this out. I was in Florida this past week and I went to see Captain Marvel and. It's a dis- I went to a uh, the first time I've ever been to a Dolby Atmos theater. Have you been to one of those? No. It's just it's I don't know how to explain it. The subwoofer is such that it's it's incredible sound. It's like a super sound theater. The the subwoofer was basically built into the reclining chairs. So every explosion like shook you. Oh, interesting. It was awesome. It was awesome. That is awesome. This you should listen to this podcast in a Dolby Dolby Atmos theater. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can listen to your uh, your microphone hum and my Pro Tools shut down. It was just a it was be... just a catastrophe. <laughs> I really felt like I was trying to really say like write a sinking ship. But I was put because I was like, we are not re recording this episode. So <laughs> no, we refuse to re record any more episodes. Uh, okay, what well, what you think about it this way? The practice is still in uh, a low definition, so we can be in low definition until they until they upgrade. That's true. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, anyway, continuing on, uh, April 8th, 1997, I already said that Anaconda was the number one movie. Uh, that day in the Burlington Free Press, the headline was Williston Proposes Clamp on Retail Growth. Now, if you are from Vermont, you know what I'm talking about. Williston is a town just outside of Burlington, and uh, I remember at the time... It was also where they built the first Walmart in oh, uh, in Vermont. Okay, and it was very controversial. And Williston, like everyone, hated Williston because they let the Walmart and the Home Depot and like the big boxes, which didn't exist in Vermont before then. So, like around the nineties, it was like, "Oh, you're going to Williston, the trash ball place that has a Walmart." And of course, now Williston is like probably the highest <laughs> like per capita of income in the in the uh state it's it's a very uh it's a very nice town now interesting you know keith if you were here in astoria on april 8th, 1997 it uh-huh. made it up to 60 degrees oh lord it, but there was a nice it was a nice breeze as well it was blowing in hmm. at a a good uh eight to nine mile per hour clip so it was a little bit brisk but uh 60 hmm. degrees t-shirt weather and uh i guess the snow started to melt that day well, how how lovely. Well, you know, it's uh it's actually kind of like that today in a story. It is pretty lovely, I have to say. It's beautiful. And I was just, you know, It's not 60 degrees. It's, it's not 60, but it's nice. Like, you know, you go out there the sun's shining and it's beautiful and sun the air does is shine clean mostly like, every day. It is daytime. And let's go uh let's go sit and record a podcast for 2 hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh anyways, the number 1 song continued wow. to be uh, Pop Daddy killing uh, it for the uh, uh, season one of the practice. Pretty uh, much owning it. He and the Spice Girls. So uh, congratulations with that. We did the weather report. You know what? It, I think we actually got through our nonsense in what, like, 
Only uh, only 17 minutes. Wow. Wow. Congratulations to us. Keith. And more importantly, congratulations to the listeners. Yeah, really. I hope you don't have a long commute today because we didn't talk bullshit for too many hours. Um, <laughs> all right. It's the season finale of, the, of, of season one of The Practice, Keith. Tell me all about it. Okay. Well, uh, this was written by Ed Redlick, not by uh, David E. Kelly. For the second episode, or second episode of the season, to have a, a new writer, which is interesting. Uh, he did. Uh, let me see. What else did he write? He wrote a. He wrote four episodes of the practice. Eventually, so we'll see if you can pick out if it's a. Uh, if it's him again. Um, he wrote some SEAL teams. Wrote uh, Unforgettable. I don't even know what that show was. The show Unforgettable. The show Unforgettable. Not the movie. No, there's a TV show. Okay. Whatever he created it. Uh, did a bunch of, uh, without a trace, but really like not a heck of a lot for somebody with this sort of pedigree, but he's also a uh, producer. So he's done a lot more of that. And, uh, it is directed by Denny Gordon, who you might recognize as the guy who directed this and, uh, is a female director, uh, which was rare at the time. Interesting because you said the guy. Yeah, because uh, I hadn't pulled up the picture on IMDb, <laughs> and so I just assumed that Denny was... <laughs> Episode 6, and we've already me would Oh, God. Uh, she has done a ton. Um, she's actually currently did three episodes of uh, the Jack Ryan show. Oh, which I heard was very good. I have it downloaded. Oh, and uh, did lots of Madam Secretary and Burden Notice, and so she has a long... Uh, history of doing a whole bunch of different uh, television programs. So, uh, Under the Dome? Oh, I, I saw the first... I read the book. I read the book as ever, well. Did, yeah, it was interesting. I don't... It, I never really got into it as a TV sh- as a TV show, but I feel like I ought to. Well, I... I Stephen King has this, this terrible... He, he, he licensed these things, and then he do, he's just kind of consults on the shows. He didn't really have any hand in the way they change the narrative. So it doesn't really match up in any way, shape, or form, except for a few character names, but, and premise, of right. course. But once you read the book, I don't know that the show is always a, a necessity to dive into. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the Stephen King conundrum is always that the uh, that if he has anything to do with the movie or the TV show, it's terrible. Oh, but it, if it he was fantastic. It sometimes is brilliant. It was great. Oh, yeah, but he didn't have anything to do with right. it. Like, he didn't write it or direct it. It's like, you know, and I say this as a huge Stephen King nerd. And I, like, I love his books. I try to rip off his all of his ideas and mine as much as human po- humanly possible. Did you read the whole but, Dark uh, Tower? I haven't. No, I read the first one and haven't really gotten back into it. Gotta read it, dude. Really good. Yeah, I know. Everyone said, like, I've read so many of them. It's not, like, his, like, mystical fairyland isn't really my jam. Yeah, okay. That's fair. I, I like it where I like the books where they're set in the real world and then the craziness uh, injects itself into the real world as opposed to the other way around. Well, I mean, not to get too into the weeds here, this is not has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but the uh, the multiverse he creates actually starts some of the strands of the multiverse start to be very very close to our world as it as yeah. it expands. And uh, inside baseball here, I read the entirety of the. Uh, of the Dark Tower series on that Titanic tour that you and I were on. That was oh, no when kidding. I experienced that. So whatever. Going, moving A on. A billion years yeah, ago. Yeah, boy. Whew. 
No, it's interesting. Anyway, we'll do, we'll do a uh, we'll do a Stephen King podcast someday. Oh man, that's a great idea. Probably a better right. I- probably a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I have a feeling there might be another one or two out mm, there. That's true. That was the other thing. We're like, there can't be any other practice podcasts, <laughs> or very few, very few. Yeah, well, we're gonna find out why. All right. Well, you know what? If you uh, oh, I, I'll save it for the next. I just realized I, I was looking at IMDb at the uh, first episode of the second season, because I was starting to note that. And in the IMDb photo from the show is a giant fan. <laughs> a giant off fan. So, uh, kids, check it out. Next week, there's going to be some more fans. I mean, nobody... I gotta know what the deal is. Somebody's gotta know what the but, deal with the fans. Yeah, well, we should... We should. Uh, is it just that they're should, in LA, and so it was hot as hell on set, and they just forgot to take the fans out? I no, I mean they. It's a network show. They could afford air conditioning. I it, like it. I I think it's just like, okay. Well, we got to uh, we got to we got to decorate all the sets. We got to fill it up. What what's uh, what's in an office? Oh, okay. We got computers and stacks of stuff and a tire and like whoa, fans. Whoa, whoa, buddy, my yeah, yeah, my yeah. uncle works for this fans this fan discount shop downtown. Yeah, I can yeah. get us a shit ton of fans. You you can get some fans. You say yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. Oh man, could could there be like all sorts of shapes and sizes, but they're never on? Totally. Well, that's a good thing you say that because this is a broken fan discount shop. Oh, right. Of course. So yeah, none no. of them will actually work. It's it's really specialized, but I'm really glad there's a there's still a, a broken fan store in the neighborhood that Walmart hasn't you know booted out of business. As you can all probably tell, Keith and I are very very trained in improv. Uh, <laughs> I'm a comedian, of course, and. <laughs> 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 yes and we're terrible yes that also ah uh, you see what i did there all right let's do this the uh season finale of the practice maybe versus david piper start? sexual intercourse with a minor whoa you really young for the whoa. Defendant will- whoa 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 wait we should stop right there <laughs> <laughs> wow stop <laughs> that is not where i thought we were starting <laughs> yeah. yikes yeah yeah look out uh but you know what it's time for <laughs> already Who's that Who's that who's the judge keith the judge is christine estabrook who is a uh very well-known and well-respected actress she did uh a whole bunch of stuff on television <laughs> Desperate Housewives. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. It's like you think you'd click the link a little earlier before you start talking, but no. No, but my filling is the best part. You're right. Oh, Spider-Man 2? <laughs> Spider-Man 2? American Horror Story? Desperate Housewives? Um, Like a whole bunch of stuff. Presumed Innocent? Presumed Innocent. And uh, X-Files? But here's the part that will be interesting to us theater nerds. She was the original adult women in Spring Awakening. Oh, wow. Great show. Great show. I saw that, I think, three or four times. You just so And also interesting, uh, as we mentioned uh, previously, who was the original adult women in the revival of Spring Awakening? None other than Cameron Mannheim. Wow. Circle it back, flip it down, and reverse it. Oh my god, we're almost a real podcast. How many earrings did she wear in that revival? Wave reading plea, not guilty as for personal recognizance, no priors. 
You asking bail? No. How old is the girl? Thirteen, Your Honor. Trial day, June the 20th, see probation. Now, this I probably shouldn't even open this door, but... <laughs> I, 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 like, I wrote in my notes here, uh-oh, this episode's going to be scary to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, when I was looking at April 8th, 1997, you knew who else had a breakout hit during this month of that year. Who? R. Kelly. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like... Great. And and not for nothing, uh, like last night, I watched the Michael Jackson doc. Ooh, good man. That is a beast. Oh, fucking hell. Did you watch the Oprah special afterwards? I sure did, yeah. yeah. I thought that was I've actually really thought fantastic. that was probably the most compelling thing of the whole collection. Well, I, I yeah. I mean, I think she... Boy, we are off the... We are not even 20 seconds into this, well, but we are off Eugene, the rails. But no, it's... This guy's 13-year-old. I mean, it's, it's, it's a loose connection. No, I mean, it, yeah, but... Yeah, no, I thought I thought the Oprah special was someone was someone profound. Someone uh, made a post the other day on Facebook, and I read the first sentence. And the first sentence was, "Here's my problem with the accusations against Michael Jackson." And I just instantly just scrolled down. I was like, "Whatever this person, whatever argument this person is no. going to make." No, it's it's garbage. Like it, if you actually watch these, watch this thing. This couldn't possibly be more credible. I mean, it literally couldn't possibly well, be. Especially more Wade Robson yeah. is like a very accomplished person in yeah. the arts. He there's no he doesn't. It's not like he's shopping for notoriety. No, I mean, and I think the documentary pretty much conclusively proves it. Well, and then uh, what started this whole thread, even if we leapfrog over, over Michael Jackson, I mean, if you're going to stand up and defend R. Kelly, then you listen to the wrong podcast, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, this is if, if you're a child molester or a child molester apologist, this is the wrong podcast for you. Our listeners, we lost it. So where's Mr. Don? He's in trial this week. Uh, can you come by the office? This report is a little sketchy and I need more information. What's going to happen to me? Well, I won't say nothing, David. A 13 year old girl. I, I mean, well, she's 14 now and she consented. That doesn't matter when it's statutory rape. Statutory rape. She was 13. That's again at all with you? I fell in love with her, man. And what? Did she report you? Was it her parent? Notice how much just TikTok silence there is. <laughs> your, no- <laughs> your notes are dead on. Parents? Yeah, well. I think it was a doctor. You know, a it's doc. almost. You know what it's time for? Who's that rapist? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have it queued up. Oh, it's a shame. Unfortunately, today. Oh, you legitimately, we're going there. Okay, go for it. We're going. All right. No, no, this is uh, Wesley Jonathan, who has uh, gone on to have a pretty impressive career. Uh, Series regulars on uh, multiple shows on Soul Man. He's uh, currently. uh, uh, He did the the LeBrons almost times. He's done a lot of sort of sitcom work. Um, Yeah. Guys worked a ton, so I hope he's. Look out. I hope he's played a uh, a shrink at one point, because then he could say, "Who puts the rapist and therapist?" I'm a comedian, Keith. Did she get hurt? No, oh, man. She got pregnant. That was actually pretty fun. That's the cold open. That's the cold open, kids. Woo! Snake charming. Honk, 
Laser sounds. Beep, 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 beep. Bop, bop, bop. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. No. <laughs> what if Steve Harvey played Eugene? Oh, man. <laughs> well, they have the big suits on lockdown. That's true, yeah. Man, she's so pretty. Kelly Williams, that is. Yeah. Look, Steve Harvey's pretty too in his own way. He is. That mustache. Flavor saver. Are you going to play Mr. Berluti? What can you tell us? We expect to show he didn't do it. But he said he did it. No, he only admitted to shooting. Did you see those actors with no pre-beat? They were literally standing there, and you could see where they called action, and the guy just turns around to ask the question. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Being the guy in the head, causing his death forthwith, that isn't necessarily murder when there are mitigating circumstances. Uh, we're going to take a still frame of this because this is back when just simply putting a little red dot and this was like one of the first, uh, what do they call it, found footage? <laughs> found footage <laughs> shots of... Uh, of Jimmy Berluti. Yeah, we're, we're getting a shot through the uh, viewfinder. <laughs> is the viewfinder viewer of the... Of like uh, a VHS cam. Of the TV camera, yeah. Jeez, that is like, that's some special effects we would have done on our... I uh, would have done for my... Physics project. I think we probably did. Like what? The guy had a comment. Mr. Don. Mr. Don. No comment. Jimmy. Jimmy. What are you doing? How does he still have a job? I know it's a pity job, but nothing of substance. Who's that rabbi? Yes. Who's that man of the shul? Well, not only is he a rabbi. I know that lawyer from somewhere. He's, this is Norman Lloyd, who will be playing the uh, prosecutor. Oh. Uh, in this, so he is a lawyer. Uh, he's done a whole bunch of stuff. His first credit is in 1939, mm. and the dude is still working. Or he he just I think he just recently stopped. He was in Trainwreck. Wow. And, uh, but most importantly, mm-hmm. he played Professor Galen, Picard's teacher, in Star Trek The Next Generation. Cue it up! Okay, here it is. Oh. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. Rabbi, eject! Object, not eject. Oh, man. Oh, I wish I could edit that yeah. out. Mm, that blew it. Rabbi object. There we go. Anyway. It's terrible. It's really bad. I want to come as many like Jewish lawyer puns as I can possibly come up with. Yeah, hey, you know, I, I have a actually I have a really important question. Okay. Are you a comedian? <laughs> no, but I play one on this podcast, I do. Looks like a corpse. Wait, did Jimmy just say did Jimmy just say he looks like a corpse? He sure did. That is a burn. We need that sick burn cue. Oh, man. Sick burn. I think you you got to get on that. Mm, He got jimmied. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmied. (laughs) Gonna let him wear the little cap. Jury nullification. Jimmy. Okay, so let's just talk about all the things Jimmy has done. The credits are still rolling, and Jimmy has said ridiculous, like, exculpatory, not, not, uh, uh, just bad things, bad words <laughs> to the press, like an idiot. Like I always say, don't say stuff. Then he says he looks like a corpse, then calls his yarmulke a little cat. <laughs> Man, Jimmy, it's a shame. You are not off to a good Man, start. I'm really, I'm re- we're really, really sorry we had Jimmy embezzle 17 grand or whatever it was. <laughs> we had to give him this job. 
technically means telling the jury to acquit even though the defendant is guilty. Lawyers aren't technically allowed to make this argument, but they invariably find a way to do it anyway. Watch it. And Bobby Donnell is expected to do it here. He'll what an interesting little detail there. I, yeah, I, 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 I liked that as well. Because, you know, what had, what just happened, if you're not watching it, is that the uh, reporter was just bumped by a cameraman who was moving around. Although, if you look at it again, he was moving around for absolutely no reason. Yeah, it was because there was nothing. The stage directions told me I had to bump into her. Let's see here. <laughs> That's right. It's like... Basically, he means wasn't even telling the jury to acquit, even like, though the sitting, defendant sitting, is guilty. I'm there, I'm there. Lawyers aren't technically allowed to make this argument, but they right, invariably find a way to do it anyway. Watch it. Bobby Donald is expected no to do reason. it here. He'll be saying, hey, whatever the law says, you can't put Gerald Braun in jail. It can be effective with sympathetic defendants, and the prosecution knows this. That's why they brought in Asher Silverman. If the defense takes a holier-than-thou position, you can bet Rabbi Silverman will have something to say about it. How old are you, David? I'm 19. Thank you for that exposition. 19, okay. We're back and to the, the Melanie White. Rapist. Are you two still on good terms? Statutory rapist. Yeah. What about yes. her parents? So, Any chance they don't hate you? Just to clarify, well, he just said he's 19. The girl was. He was 19. She was 13. Like we're gonna like, <sighs> and you know, no spoilers, but we're gonna spend the like the episode like trying to add uh, some some uh, gray area in the situation, but. Uh, 19, 13, game over. <laughs> I think this should be Eugene's new headshot. Should definitely be Eugene's new headshot. I got headshot. a mother, and, uh, I don't think she's too happy, but she ain't threatening to kill me or nothing. Is there any chance she that should Melanie be. or her mother would speak on your behalf? Hey, this is all gonna come down to sentencing, so whatever help we can get. I don't know about Mrs. White, but I know Melanie will come. She's with me now. What? Yes. Yeah, Pay attention when Eugene speaks. He's one of the, he's just a, a fantastic actor, one, but also every plosive, every consonant, he says every word, very, his dictation, his diction is just exquisite. She's out there waiting. Well, she can come in. He's like a professional actor or something. I think. Yeah, what is she smiling about? It's a smirk. In, baby. More a smirk than a smile. Oh, oh, like, oh how yeah, she's pregnant. Pregnant 13-year-old girlfriend with him. Huh. So, you two are on good terms. Can you tell him? We're still together. Look, Mr. Young, we love each other, all right? And we both want to have this baby. Me and Eugene have the same face. Yeah. Not smirking anymore, are you? Rebecca. You know, I gotta say, even six yep. episodes into this series, I really was cutting it up in the beginning because it was a little bit on the nose, but they're threading some really tiny needles here. Like, going down the avenue of a, a, a statutory rape case where the two people are still in love and want to have the baby. I mean, that's... Network TV, 97? Yeah, well, I mean, and, and that's, I think why the show was so important was that it really it's and i'll say this for david e kelly because this was true from chicago hope and picket fences and all like he's not afraid of like he, he to, of the thornier issues like he actually like goes straight for it and i think that's it makes for very compelling television and just like dangerous because 
you know, A, because people may misinterpret you then or or think you're wrong then, but like we're also watching this 20 years later and the and the ground has shifted on a lot of these issues. And, you know, it's going to be interesting as we go through to see, you know, <laughs> how was their footing 20 years ago yeah. on all of these thorny issues? Also, why six minutes into an episode of anything are the credits still rolling? I always thought I always thought that Dylan McDermott was the like featured character, but that's not really the case, is it? It's an ensemble piece, it really is. He's just on the posters. I think not. It's an honor to be up against you. Jimmy. But we're not afraid. Rabbi object. Can, this is crazy with Jimmy. All rise. This same Jimmy who was pouting last episode that he wasn't put as lead attorney on this case. And who also called the judge your highness. <laughs> State of Massachusetts versus Gerald Braun. Our sources say the prosecution will first be putting up an eyewitness by the name of Chris Varley. He was out walking his dog that day and saw Dr. Braun shoot That's weird. My mother's name is Chris Varney. Mm. You believe this? That's the kind of cutting-edge insight you're going to get every week here <laughs> on the Out of Practice podcast. I'm not a comedian, but I know one. What do you think of this... <laughs> what do you think <laughs> of this sort of uh, device of kind of telling the story from the courtroom reporters outside? Well, I mean, it's definitely, like, anytime you see a reporter on uh, television talking, like, it's just like an exposition machine. They're just like expo bots. I guess it's of its time. It's very OJ. Every station is covering Super OJ. This will definitely put us on the map. Yeah. Nice map. Sick burn! Boom! She got jimmied. You just got jimmied. <laughs> he just walked up. Real calm. Oh, I'm so glad we get to watch this reenaction. What did you do, sir? Well, I just kind of froze up. There's blood coming out of the guy's neck. And then uh, he took like two steps, pointed the gun again, and shot him in the head. And that was it. Did you have opportunity to observe the demeanor of the defendant, sir? He seemed as calm as he could be. Hmm. What happened after the shooting, Mr. Varley? Well, he looked up said to me, I suggest you notify the police. Just like that, real calm. I suggest you notify the police. Yeah. Like it wasn't even a 911. The first shot wasn't <laughs> fatal. You can see... I mean, I to be fair, that's also how I uh, got my little brother in trouble. When, uh, so, he, I, was, I was three years older, and he's now like this huge, like, jacked hockey player, but he was smaller then, so... I would always like spin him up till he'd get crazy. Then he would charge me and try to like hit me. And then I would just sit on him and then call calm as a, as a cucumber. I'd go, mom, I suggest Scott needs a timeout. I was the worst. (laughs) I had nothing. It only nicked the carotid (laughs) sinus at the bifurcation. What about the second shot? Your Honor, I renew my Ooh, objections to this. these photos. Overruled. Any probative value they might have... Mr. Donald... ...will stipulate the injuries were both bloody and fatal. Mr. Donald, the court advises you to take your seat. Now! Ooh, Thank you. What are you to say about that? Mr. Silverman? Bobby? You may proceed. What about the second shot? The bullet entered the temporal lobe just above the eye socket, causing a pressure explosion of... Ooh. The- 
Gross. I'm going to screenshot that because uh, <laughs> at some point someone will have something funny to say about it. <laughs> what? The gaping wound in his head? Yeah, it's like, Mom, I, got, I finally got a job. I can pay my rent this month. <laughs> What's the gig? Well... Oh. Well, yeah, you see, you know, although it's interesting, it's it's hard to tell because, again, it's it's low definition. It appears as if the bullet is sticking out of the hole. Yeah, it's like the cra- his cranium stopped it. Right, which then it wouldn't have been fatal. Like, <laughs> it would, uh. like, why is the bullet, like, there in... I wonder if that's like a standards and practice thing. Like, they just couldn't have an actual hole. Yeah, I mean, the bullet... So they yeah. to fill it with the bullet? Be. It's weird. The upper brain and skull. Do you have a medical opinion as to... How long it took Ronald Martin to die? From the time of the first wound, probably about 30 to 40 seconds. Do you have an opinion as to whether the victim suffered? Well, for 20 seconds. Suffered? Can you say, how do you Suffered. Suffered. So he was drowning in his own blood. I would consider that suffering. I thought it went very well. Well? That was well? Dr. Braun. Dr. Braun, you shot the man and have been bragging on TV about it. What are you expecting to happen? <laughs> like, well, what, what, yeah, well, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. You gotta expect like, <laughs> The prosecution's gonna try to make you look like Charles Manson or something. I, I think so far you're coming off a normal killer. And now we put on our case. Which is just the three of us. No. Exposition time. It'll just be you. I thought I was first. If I put you on that stand, Mrs. Braun, they can get it out on cross how calm Gerald seemed before he left. Your being in the courtroom is enough. I think it shows you support him. What about me? Too dangerous. But the whole point is to show Gerald had some moral empowerment. If I don't take the stand, then how... If I put you in that chair... Asher Silverman can blast away at our moral justification theory with no risk to alienating the jury. With Jerry, he has to tiptoe. The jury feels sorry for Jerry. He's a victim. You're not. Even so, I can support Gerald's state of mind. I don't want our case to You should probably just shut up. up. <laughs> this is, you're paying this guy tons of money. Just do what he tells you to do. For accepting you because they won't. Why don't we just argue temporary insanity? The jury... No. They'll let you go. I wasn't insane. I won't say that I was, damn it. Are you ready with your testimony? Yeah. I'm ready. Mr. Donald, you may call your first witness. Thank you, Your Honor. The defense I have a hunch this isn't going to Dr. go well. Dr. Gerald Braun. Hmm. I'll Uh-oh. remind the gallery to stay Wait. silent. Now, if you go back... Go, go back there. When he announces that he's going to testify, there's one extra in the back. Raise your who, right hand, please. It is so outrageous that he's going to testify. He you stands no. up in the They'll gallery. Oh, my computer. For, like, no I reason wasn't whatsoever. I won't say that Peter's I was. Damn it. Here. Are you ready with your testimony? Let's see. Yeah. Yes. I'm ready. I'm ready. Mr. Donald, you might call your first witness. Thank you, Your Honor. All right. The guy who just... The that guy there with the uh, 90s Dr. Gerald Braun. What? Oh, oh God! What? He shot it. out of his chair. He also might have thought they called cut, and he just was excited for those craft services, but... Right, well, understood. Understood. Raise your right hand, please. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, 
and nothing but the truth, so help you God? So help me God. No comment. This was not new information they put on. I can't respond. What about the witness? We all know Dr. Braun pulled the trigger, so what's the point of the eyewitness? No, no comment at this time, sorry. And it's no secret that the guy's head and neck kind of exploded. This is all stipulated to They were just trying to be inflammatory with those photos. How many times do I got to say no comment? Mr. Don, you are such a media whore. Shut I were Bobby, I'd punch him right in the face right now. up, Jimmy. What is wrong with you? nothing more. Mr. Donald, what is your Mr. Donald, we, we, we need to find out. Mr. Donald, you must say something. The defense wants to prove heat of passion, but this is where it gets tricky. Normally, heat of passion means a flash of rage or that the defendant somehow lost control. But here we have eyewitness accounts. I mean, if you guys are just going to watch it on TV, why don't you, like, go? Well, no, because Eleanor has already said she doesn't want to participate in this case. Oh, that's right. As to how Remember? calm Dr. Braun was. The so therefore, for the season finale, the her entire part is like is moral just passion. leaning and watching Dr. television. Dr. Braun was compelled by an overwhelming moral force. Hey, Carl, can you get a bigger mic? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that looks like a big dick behind his head now. Carl, get me the biggest... No, no, bigger, bigger. I want it to be the size of a duffel bag for <laughs> no reason. <laughs> You know, you know, like those mics that they, you know, put on like the uh, in the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea to test for, you know, like bombs. Like that's the kind of mic we want in this car. Arguing that the passion here is moral passion. That Dr. Braun was compelled. By <laughs> Look an at the size of that thing. moral force that made him pull the trigger. A stretch, <laughs> maybe. But remember, if the defense can prove heat of any passion, Dr. Braun will Which walk. Completely free. I would also like to point out, right? There are no cameras in the courtroom. So why do they need a so seven not, foot boom? It's, it's it's well, it's not even like they need to record like in a in a courtroom and you have to get the witness from far away. The only purpose of that microphone is to do their stand ups in the in the hallway, which they have microphones already. If you have ha if you have or you know anyone who has worked as a as a set or prop person on the practice please 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 get in touch with us we have so many questions and your insight would be invaluable For the jury here the prosecution is gambling they probably just punch us in the all face because all we do is tear up their work wow <laughs> why did you win off this case any lawyer went in on this heat of passion <sighs> please i'm all for representing a client zealously but arguing the morality of murder really isn't my niche well, it is your job, however. It, it is indeed. A defense is a defense, Eleanor. If memory serves me correctly, you had a client who said the devil made him do it. You had no problem arguing that. What's your point? My that you're a hypocrite. My point hmm. is, I think you're taking offense here as a Jew and not as a lawyer. And I'm not allowed to do that? Well, there is that separation of church and state thing, remember? Rabbi object! <laughs> yeah, but I, what I do as a lawyer is in state action, Lindsay. Oh, please. Whoa. I think we should change the subject. Fan. They, but, they, this is not a heated but, argument. You don't have to step in. They're two adults who can talk no, us through. No, but, but it's also like, this is this is a weird little beat in this episode, because like, it's it's like a weird and nasty interaction that doesn't seem like it's necessary. It's like we have to figure out a reason to have them in the episode, so we're going to start a fake fight. Look how many manila folders there are. It's a lot of manila folders. 
Exactly why did you go to Rabbi fan, Warner fan. that night? Well, because I to was kill that in guy? tremendous, yeah. I guess, rage. And because I could think only of killing Ronald Martin. Did you expect to change your mind? No. no uh, it's not what it was about. What was it about? I, I wanted to know if I was evil for wanting to kill Ronald Martin. I, I wanted to... But I feel that I need to say his first and last name every time I make mention of him. No, if God... Well, I mean, you know, like I needed to kill Ronnie feels a little inappropriate. I understand. And how did Rabbi Warner respond? He said that God would understand. Did he say anything else? He said that between Ronald Martin going free and Ronald Martin being dead, it was more moral for him to be dead. Well, speaking of moral... Mrs. White, thanks for coming. What's this yeah, all about? Yeah, here we go. Uh, this is going to sound a little bit out there, but just the same. Yeah. You know, Dave and Melanie, maybe it would be best for you two to wait outside at first. And I'll call you back in later, okay? Okay. I'm sorry if I missed over it earlier on. He, he, what is yeah. the what is he's just defending him on the statutory rape charge? That's right. Okay. That's right. They pled guilty. Or I guess no. It's just sent well, there, there, no, there hasn't. Uh, it's gonna hit the yeah, pin oh yeah, now. I guess that's true. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm I, good. I think we should mm -hmm. play Who's that underage mother. Mm -hmm. So Her you're having a baby and it's pretty <laughs> early. You're only 13, but having a baby's your dream. Underage, underage mama, underage cause you got statutory raped. With your boyfriend. You were in love. Yeah. You know the, you know the, uh, you know the phrase, give a man enough rope? <laughs> <laughs> I really thought I could come up with one rhyme, but I couldn't do it. I don't think that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you just sang a cheery jingle about being underage and pregnant. <laughs> well, somebody had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I, you got me there. Is that a fishbowl of pennies? Yeah, because well, we were debating what was in the. It fish was bowl. candies last time, what? and now it looks like pennies. I, I maybe the candies just rotted. <laughs> yeah, it's sadness. Anyway, so <laughs> before I was so rudely interrupted by that amazing song, which hopefully somebody can pull out and we can make a ringtone out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wanya Green who uh, actually didn't do a whole bunch more except for she played two different characters on the shield oh which we, we referenced much earlier yes fantastic show start kicking at night i get the heartburn some people say that means he's gonna be born with hair oh <laughs> dear rebecca i hate that hat you hope it's just hair we should have done that amio thing it's like a little haiku so do you Dex. have kids no I got out of the car. Now, 
that like if you actually go back and watch that we got a lot a of lot. information from that no that's some really fine acting in a 10 in like a 2 second shot and and it plants a lot of like did she can she not have kids did she have a miscarriage did something happen you know pretty cool yeah you don't know but like really excellent work from uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton there i started walking toward him with the gun in my hand so you you went there to kill him yeah. Hey, Bobby, can you hike those and pants up a little higher? But uh, I also knew the reality of going through with it. And um, as I approached him, I became less and less sure that I would. L- less sure how? I kept... And perhaps a, a, a better zoot suit tie? <laughs> I, I like the tie. He's going like he's going all black, but that jacket is... So big on him, it might fit me. It might fit. I I kind of want to Photoshop Steve Harvey into that jacket. Oh, you definitely. Oh, yeah. Steve Harvey shouldn't play Eugene. That's racist. He should play Bobby. Which is <laughs> not racist. Well, you, well, we just assumed that Steve Harvey would replace the other black guy. You're right. But is Photoshopping Steve Harvey's head onto Bobby racist? I, I don't think so. Okay, if you say nothing, you're the authority on these things. Expecting this <laughs> oh, no. impulse to... Yes, um, the authority on racism is a straight uh, white man. Uh, you're white? I, I'm like Stephen Colbert, I don't see I color. I was about to do uh-huh. evil. I, I, I half expected something in my brain to say, stop, this is wrong. Did that impulse come? No. And as I got to him, the sensation that I felt was that um, this was right. Ronald Martin should be dead. And as I raised the gun and... and I mean, it kind of brings up questions of the death penalty, too. I mean, that's really kind of the argument being made as well. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you it. know, it's, I, I, I'm not sure, but I feel like... I've read something about having the death penalty is not really much of a deterrent, so therefore it's really just vengeance. I knew it more. My my hand didn't shake. It was steady. When I pulled the trigger, I saw the blood shoot out from his neck. Maybe tone down the details. He does a lot of monologues about, like, spurting blood. But I shot him in the neck, in the throat. And, um, I heard him choking. So you mercy killed him and and uh, shot him in the head. I remember thinking, this is godly. Because, um, this man had strangled my daughter. How fitting that, um, he should choke. That seemed to be the most godly thing in all of this. So, I just, I just don't really follow the strategy how this is, they think this is helping them. He's not even giving like well, a, I was so overcome. They, they, have, they have a pretty good losing hand here, so they've got to swing for the fences. Yeah. Well, you know, 
the only thing we we got on our side is that you give a hell of a monologue. So go up there and give the most graphic, gargantuan, gurgling monologue you can about blood and shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Bring back the bloody gurgles. Yeah, that and if you could really, say the word godly great. a few times, that would be helpful. Well, look, it got him a best actor from us earlier. That's true. And um, then I pulled the trigger again. I fired the gun. And he was gone. Do you regret killing Ronald okay. Martin? Okay, look at that. Why does Bobby have his hands in his pockets? Like, it's all, like, slouchy and cash as he's, like, <laughs> talking to the guy who just is describing the murder he did. Look how oversized his tie is, and his belt is teeny tiny. And he's just like, it's all, I'm all cash, man, whatever. Yeah, man. Just, you know, talk, talk about the bloody gurgles. Gurgle? It's all good. I, um... You better cry. You better cry. I regret the pain. I brought his family. I know their pain. Speaking of crying, Ooh. look at that extra. I He's killing it. It is uh, just must have for him That's to the, be dead. the victim's dad, right? Or a brother, I think. I, I do. I, but he's I, still an extra. He doesn't have any lines. I believe I owed it to my daughter to kill him. And oh. um, I pray to God. Better for all those... Yeah, tears! Get them! That she knows. But you let a single tear run down run your face. <laughs> You're the best actor, actor on, on the show. The show. <sighs> he literally Did you actually expect me to go along with this? Mrs. White, I don't know you and I have no... Ex Is her name Mrs. White? Apparently. Expectations whatsoever. I'm just saying that they say they love each other. They say they plan to be married one day. I'm saying he has a better chance of staying out of jail if they get married now. You even see how despicable this is. This may yeah, be in your really daughter's despicable. best interest. I've spoken to a social worker. Season finale, the, the, the firm is not uh, scoring a lot of high horse points, except for Eleanor. Yeah, boy. Yeah, that's oof. She's basically like, you know what? I don't want any part of this. And all I ask is that you meet with her oh. so that we can. Mrs. White. Your daughter will kill everyone with her mind. <laughs> I have a son. He's a few years younger than your daughter. I know. First information, first time we know Eugene has a son. I'll meet with the social worker. If you're still against it, I'll respect that and back off. But your daughter wants to keep her baby, and this is more complicated than you know. I just ask you to meet with the social worker. Please. We're so close. We're losing Eugene's head. <laughs> you did great. But now is where it gets tough. Let me tell you a few things about Silverman. He stays still, almost motionless sometimes. So slowly move towards you. He won't shout or thump his chest. He just moves in very slowly, trying to intimidate you. They call him the Picaro, because he stands still, then he strikes. You just speak. Thanks, for Jimmy. What's in there? <laughs> don't fall for word games. Don't try to make the jury think you're smarter than him. You don't have to be careful here. Everybody knows what you did. You hear that, Keith? Everyone knows what mm -hmm. I did. And we're not hiding yeah. anything. We're back. 
Thanks, Jimmy. Let's go. I wasn't sure what that knock on the door meant. Yeah, Jimmy, could you just, like, repeat obvious things? Did he just neck and with that lady? Apparently, he just, like, neck kissed his <laughs> wife. Jimmy, what are you doing in this episode? You know, we have the best lawyer. We might need to... Oh, I guess he'll run away with it if we put a worse lawyer. Yeah, no, you gotta even it out. Dumbest lawyer. I got a defense here. I understand you perfectly. Dum-da-dum-dum-dum. Lawyer of the show. (laughs) Can I fire myself? (laughs) I think you should write some more songs about... (laughs) Comedian, composer, She'll be here any second. lyricist. Composer. <laughs> Thank you. Ooh. Ooh. There he goes again, Theo. He's a little rascal, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, that one kind of hurt. Mama, I really want to keep my baby. I know that I can take care of him. I know I can. Well. We talked about this before, Melanie. You're 14 years old, you have school, and you have your life ahead of you. Keith. Yeah. One memory from when you were 14. One memory from when I was 14. Uh, I did arsenic and old lace. In uh, in high school, I played the old man. I had two lines. Could you have cared for a baby? I was very clearly not caring for myself at that point. I was like, I think that I, I, I was failing Spanish and math. Well, math, I'll give you. Spanish? No, I, I mean, I'm actually pretty good at math. I just had a lousy teacher. Me too. Well, great. I, I had like a personality conflict with the teacher because he was like a bully and that I just like, I couldn't do it. It was really weird. I used to get sick before math in seventh grade. I'd literally get like, I'd throw up in the bathroom. I was so nervous. Really? Uh, sixth grade. And then in seventh grade, I met this guy, Mr. Simmons, who I'm still friends with to this day and turned math around for me. Thanks, Mr. Thanks, Mr. Simmons. That's that's you. You just referenced two good teachers in one episode. This, uh, Mr. Freeland and Mr. This, Simmons. This one's for you. All right. I guess well, we won't say your math teacher's name. Oh, Mike Wells. He was a prick. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Fuck You, Mike Wells. Fuck you, Mike Wells. Mommy. We just lost another listener. This is my baby. <laughs> Can you imagine if one of our, like, two listeners was my high school math teacher? He's like, damn, my whole life's work. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I turned his life around. All right, this is his, this is going to be his, uh... Pickerel moment. Big moment for his Best Actor Award. You were aware of what you were doing when you killed Ronald Martin. Acutely. And you felt God would understand you're doing this. I wasn't sure. That's why I went to my rabbi. Is it your thinking that one may commit a premeditated murder so long as he gets a note from his rabbi? The jury heard my thinking, Mr. Silverman. Is it your belief sitting here today in this courtroom? It's actually moving a lot. That God would embrace your bloodletting. Sick burn! You got Jimmy'd. Boom! Jimmy'd! Would you care to offer authority for this position? Exodus. He who fatally strikes a man shall be put to death. Genesis. Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed. Then according to Exodus and Genesis, 
Should you now be put to death? I didn't take an innocent life. According to the Torah, Ronald Martin had forfeited his right to live by murdering an innocent person. I had a Jewish right to do what I did. Jewish right? A Jewish right. I'll assume you're aware of the Talmud's view on capital punishment. I'll assume you're aware that when Eichmann directed the murder of six million people, we kidnapped him, brought him to Jerusalem, and hanged him. And then we cheered. Eichmann was responsible for mass murder. Are you comparing Ronald Martin to Eichmann? I'm suggesting that sometimes vengeance is right. And I won't let you stand up there as a rabbi. Move to strike. This is my day in court, rabbi, not yours. All right. Silence. Be quiet. Swing and a miss on that one. Yeah. He's not not coming off as like a... Sympathetic? Like the nicest murderer. You come into this room wearing your yarmulke. Okay, we got a ladies and gentlemen. Oh, put, that's what it is. Not a little a cap. Little cap. <laughs> what, what did Jimmy call it? Hold on, I have. I wrote it down. His uh, his little cap. Yes. I'm getting a little monologue fatigue here. To send a message to that jury that you condemn me as a Jew. No, Doctor Braun. I condemn you as a murderer. But Rabbi, you're in here as a Jew, and you're testifying as a Jew that you had the right to commit a religious murder? Because to forgive a murderer is not the Jewish From now on, I challenge you, Keith, for the rest of your life to pronounce the word murder. Murder. You mean it's not your way? When God confronted Cain after the murder of Abel, he didn't forgive him. He shouted out to him, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. God shouted that. And God shouted out to you? No, my daughter did. Her blood cried out to me. Her blood. And that's the real truth, isn't it, Dr. Braun? When you raise that gun, you didn't hear Exodus or Genesis. You didn't hear the Talmud or the Torah. You didn't see God. You only saw your daughter's blood. Now, here's the thing. that's the real truth. Like, so the show's setting up that he just got, like, pinned to the wall there because he was doing it out of anger about his daughter was his whole defense in the beginning is that's the whole defense exactly it's like the the whole point is we're asking the jury to say like yeah no i would have done that you know like it's understandable so like he it's it's okay that he did that and this whole like religious rationale doesn't really make any sense and i don't think would in any way sway a jury well it not but 10 minutes ago the other rabbi tried to make this case and Bobby was like no 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 we ain't going to do that right right it, uh, it's weird like i I've, I've sort of like it feels like the show is like flip-flopped on itself here this isn't just changing diapers or taking care of a baby this is raising a child do you think you really know what that entails probably not but um we're ready to learn I mean, that's an honest answer, but Saucer, you know, 
Why people need a license to have a baby out there? Forget the takes a village crap. For her. The village is out of order. The child needs parents. Look, we'll do whatever we have to. How long have you two been together? Will they arrest me again if I tell? Oh, no. Jesus. Almost two years. Do you have a place of dwelling? Yes. I have a two-bedroom in Brighton. We plan to turn the extra room into a... So that means she was 12. Yes. So my first yeah. date was when I was 12. Uh-huh. And we went to see Beauty and the Beast, the animated picture. Oh. And it was a double date with my friend Ronnie and his uh, girl at the time. Uh-huh. And we sat uh, down, and with before the credits, uh, the opening credits were finished, the first number, my date stood up, she was sitting to my right, walked all the way around the theater, to then go sit next to her friend Marie. And so I was just sitting next to my buddy Ronnie, and so that was my first date. She didn't even sit next to me. <laughs> oh, no! Meanwhile, this lady's getting pregnant. Nursery. Yikes. How much money do you make? Six sixty a week. Not that my intention was to impregnate her that night, but the truth of the matter is, is that... <laughs> <clears throat> Not that my intention was to impregnate her. But I mean, a, to sit next to me for two hours, is that too much to ask? But I'm supposed to be promoted to foreman in October. I mean, I won't do it. We have to do this over the internet. To be fair, I was wearing sweatpants, which was a terrible choice. 25. <laughs> First day Plus you're I'm wearing insurance sweatpants. for Melanie and the baby. And I'm not covered right now. Hmm. Uh, do you work, ma'am? I work for a courier service. And how much do you make? Four ninety a week. None of this is relevant. The the desk is backwards. Danny, you said that earlier. It's always backwards. Ten thirty. He loves a backwards desk. Ro oh, there's the bongos. What do you think his middle name is? Robert G. Robert G. Robert Gordon. Robert Gordon Liddy. Mm. I'm going to say Giuliani. <laughs> Two great pinnacles of uh, virtue from our history. <laughs> Couldn't sleep. Not wearing a belt or a tie. Closing arguments? Or his little cap. Yeah. Close up. Of four wrinkled up pieces Bobby. of paper. You and I go back to high school together. Thanks for that. I'm sure Bobby knew that. I Everyone on the show Gerald is Bobby's old doing friend. What he did. But you, uh, say what you have to say. You know Gerald. We've Brown gone around this block like a couple you know times already. Me. Yes. You yes, had to know he was considering to go out and shoot Ronald Martin. Literally the scene we've had before. We've had the scene before. You may not have thought he was going to, but you knew there was a possibility, Danny. You think I wanted him to execute Ronald Martin? I think that you... I mean, word for word, we've had this scene. You could have stopped yeah, him, I, I, and you didn't. Weird. I also don't... I don't get why he's so pissed at this rabbi. He, the rabbi didn't kill anybody. He didn't inform him to kill him. He just said, well, you, morally, it's a gray area, is all he really said. Yeah. Guilty by commission or omission, it doesn't matter. But invoking God to excuse you, Danny, it, just, it, it, it makes me ill. 
This from a man who routinely defends murderers. We both chose our professions. I'm a criminal defense attorney. They see me coming. You're a rabbi. When Donna Braun was murdered, Jerry... Jerry, he, he became lost. Now, do you think he's going to get a nosebleed from, from so high up on that horse? Well... You know, I, I think what makes uh, <laughs> where you know we're talking about like twenty years later, how does it age? It's just really sweet that twenty years ago we thought the uh, the men of the cloth were going to be, have higher morals mm. as opposed to all be monsters. <laughs> and so did you. And that fade to black could not have been any slower. 927 There's an ancient custom in Jewish law. Shulchan Aruch. Translated, it means if a Jew is found murdered, let him be buried in his bloody clothes. We bury him as we found him. Clean underwear, though, or all bloody? <laughs> to provoke in people fury and the desire to avenge. Donna Braun was buried in the clothes she was strangled in. This guy's going to prison. Does this make oh, vengeance definitely. right? Of course not. But it does help explain the mindset of Gerald Braun, filled with the rage over his daughter's murder. That and man is so with big. The religious doctrine that anyone who Huge takes fan. an it's like an airport size It's like it's gonna fan. like eat that woman's head. It might. You screenshotting the fan. Innocent life. Some, must someday we should do a screenshot his of life. every fan in the first <laughs> it season. It becomes easy to see why Gerald Braun was so impassioned to believe he was right. He went to his own rabbi, who compounded this passion by saying it was more moral for Ronald Martin to be dead than free. And the mixture of this religious influence and his own rage and religious pain, he marched toward Ronald Martin with a loaded gun in his hand. And with each step as he got closer and closer to the man who choked the life out of his only daughter, he waited for the impulse to tell him, stop. Okay. Instead. Bobby. All right. So let's talk about your strategy to uh, get the jury to allow someone they know as a murderer to walk free. And that is to frighten the jury, to go up to them and slam your hand and shout at them <laughs> right in their face. Mm. I, I think that's probably probably uh, probably not the right uh, way to do that. Probably not. Yeah. He saw Donna's face. He heard the passages from Exodus and Leviticus, eye for an eye. He who sheds the blood of man, vengeance is mine. God said that, vengeance is mine. And suddenly that night, vengeance was... So, he's, I mean, it's great acting. You can tell, you can, you can sense his desperation. You can sense he's frantic. I mean, it's, it's well-directed. Gerald. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, but the argument that he's making, right... Uh, with or without the sort of religious angle here is that he thought he was doing 
the right thing. He thought he was being righteous, therefore it doesn't make it a crime he should be <laughs> held accountable for. But that's not how our system works. No, and also it's he's he himself said this is not the right angle. His clothes should have just simply been do any of you on the jury have children? If they were murdered yeah. in cold blood, what would your feeling be? Can you would yeah. you not have had the same impulse that that my my defen- uh, my client had? Keep it simple. Right. Bronze in the heat of moral and religious passion, in the heat of horrible grief, vengeance became his. It also became Jean Jean Claude Van Damme's in Kickboxer, but you know it was still a bad movie. It's just yeah, it's not it's not a thing. Man, that I don't know. Vengeance isn't a thing. That's yeah. why we have a society and such. Was he right? No. I mean, think about it this way. The entire purpose of our legal system is so that vengeance isn't prison? the thing. Of course not. For whatever reason, Gerald Braun felt he was in God's hands that night. But there's no doubt, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, today. He's in yours. He's now in yours. Yeah, and he's guilty. I'm sorry, dude. He's super guilty. Sorry. Oh man, this guy is gonna he's gonna give you all kinds. Alright. Very close. He was Captain Picard's professor. He's gonna kill it. Is that a xylophone? Oh no, hold on. It's my wife calling. Oh. I th- I was I thought <laughs> it was terrible scoring. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, true, it does have sort of like a little Ticking thing. Hold on. Let me see if I can text. You know what time it's for? Jillian ruined the podcast. And Jillian ruined the podcast. You abandon your compassion for this man. I ask simply that you not be blinded by it. We could pass a law permitting parents to avenge the deaths of their murdered children. We choose not to. Very close. We could pass a law. Permitting religion to be an excuse for certain types of homicides. We choose not to. What'd you call me? We could live in a society... No. ...that considers revenge murder to be moral. We choose not to. Now this man, by his own admission... Um, uh... We're gonna call a cut on this. We're gonna need some scenery because, uh, this dude be chewing all of it? Knowingly and reflectively executed... Another human being. You heard that defendant accuse me of being. Oh, no. I'm the. I'm still rolling. Here, both as a rabbi and a district attorney. In truth, I am here threefold. A a rabbi and a man. And when he suggests to this jury that you ignore the clear intent of law, he offends my sensibilities as a district attorney. And what? What was that you said? One more time, just because you did that really great. 
and the district attorney. In truth, I am here three fingers, a lawyer, a rabbi, and a, and man. a man. And when he suggests to this jury that you ignore the clear intent of law, he offends my sensibilities as a district attorney. And when he champions... We gotta cut that and use it for something else. ...revenge murder as being in keeping with Judaism, he offends me as a rabbi. He's spitting and everywhere. And when he claims that what he did was moral, he offends morality itself. What? And that? I take it personally. He offends morality itself. And I take it personally as a man. Woo. Go for it. It would be a great insult to human nature. Not to understand why he did this, but it is an even greater outrage to mankind to tolerate it. You know, I'm looking back and I'm seeing the hearing aid in his ear and I'm thinking maybe he has a speech problem. And now I'm feeling a way about it. I don't think he does. Oh. I don't remember it from other things that I have seen him in. I think he is just... There's like, okay, give us a performance. Like, like how, how big you want this to be? Like, like a four or a five? No, give us a 27. <laughs> and if you could bring your fanciest little cap. <laughs> Any trial, ultimately, becomes about the truth. And the truth, which each and every one of you swore to. Was to uphold the law. Wait, what are we supposed to do with the law? Uphold it. No, oh, there was an L in there. It definitely sounded like an R. All right, extras. When I call action on this, I want none of you to make any choices, movements, or indication on your faces that you're alive in any respect. Which actually is what you want an extra to do. Because <laughs> we literally have a segment where we make fun of the extras who yeah. don't do that. You are proposing instead of Mr. Piper going to jail for statutory rape, he should be allowed to go free so he can marry the victim? Uh, Your Honor... I would ask you to consider the following. I won't consider anything that escapes your mouth, counsel. You're here representing him. I'm more concerned about her. She's 14 years old, for God's sake. Which yes. is why I've brought Cindy McGuire from Child Welfare. <sighs> You're recommending this? The idea makes me nauseous. But my concern is for the girl <laughs> and for the baby. And? It's really shaping up to be a great idea on all parts. Yeah, part. great idea. You know, you, know, you know what I think it's time for? that wildly irresponsible social worker i feel like we need to work on a new melody <laughs> a new melody mm -hmm. why don't you you want to do uh you want to set it to the tune of uh underage mom yeah that was good that one i'm still i'm still workshopping it though oh great great uh this is played by karen landry uh the most interesting thing of which she did was an episode of star trek the next generation as well drop it she played Adger in Captain's Holiday. She was an alien from the future coming to steal a artifact. So, uh, really, ah, it was, it was, uh, 
It was a pretty famous episode. You would never recognize her because she had so much crazy like makeup on. But it was a big deal. It, did you appreciate how much I uh, just stalled there while I had to hook up the system again? Uh, yeah, I am watching. That's Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. Uh, you know, and that's, uh, that's professional podcasting there. The stall. The stall while you plug in your phone. <laughs> Hey, PP, professional pro cup half plasma. This man. If he goes to jail, we're likely looking at a foster home for the child. Plus, what about the grandmother? Well, then we're looking at. Do you know what is worse than foster home? My dad's a rapist. Welfare. She can't afford yeah. to take care of a baby. With all due respect to my bias, Your Honor, this isn't unprecedented. These kinds of marriages have been recommended before with minors. When the sex is consensual, both partners are committed to marriage, and the father is the only real means of financial support. That's what we've got here. That doesn't make it any less putrid. What the hell kind of message does this send? You can commit statutory rape so long as you marry the child after. Okay, look, there are a hundred reasons to condemn the idea. But the fact is, I'm not here to send a message to society. I've got a pregnant 14-year-old girl. I'm trying to figure out what's best for her, what's best for this one particular baby. My recommendation is that you give them a chance. I believe I can fly. I believe I... <laughs> Mrs. White? My daughter wants to uh, raise her child, Your Honor. She wants her baby Your to have a father. Is a is 14. And they love each other. She's not in a position no. to be making these decisions. That's why you're not allowed... Like, the whole point of statutory mm -hmm. rape is she's not... Her brain isn't formed enough to make these kind of decisions. Uh, dear Mrs. Indeglio and Mrs. Varney. Yes. You're welcome... You are welcome that Keith and I were such good kids. You gave us such shit, but look what your life could have been. Look at it. Christine Esterbrook? <laughs> Missing my point, Keith. <laughs> look, you Something said look at it, I'm and that's what's on the screen. I'm feeling sick about this, but for now, I'm going to accept Miss McGuire's recommendation. Conditioned on marriage counseling to begin immediately. I know that lawyer from somewhere. Uh, we, I think we need to address the silent lawyer in the room who's who just sitting actually, there. Yeah, he. Uh, it, I looked it up. He's ADA Wanapakum, and he is Gregory Cruz, who has uh, done a whole bunch of stuff, uh, whole bunch of stuff, lots of stuff. But the most interesting thing. Uh, he's on a show called Saving Grace, did a lot of that, did Hell or High Water, that kind of stuff. But he was on Cop Rock. And I looked it up, I found the episode, and I watched it. Unfortunately, he does not sing, so I do not have a clip. Well. That's it. <laughs> I was like, what are you going to do with that? What are, what are we going to do You may not that? like it, young lady, but believe it or not, 14-year-olds still have things to learn. I'm not grown up, hey, your honor. <laughs> Oh, I think my water just broke. What? Adjourn. Go. Go, go, go. Someone call 911. It's going to be okay. Why does the water always break on TV in these moments? The jury has like, come back with a... It's always at the end of a scene in an inappropriate place. Have, now, I don't want to get too... 
I don't want to get too crass, but have you ever been around someone whose water has broke? I have not. It there's a lot of water. It like is a splash of gush of water. <laughs> so it's funny when we see it on TV, and it's always this like really subtle thing, and like oh, no one else would know. Everybody know. Question. <laughs> They want to know if manslaughter no. is an option. It never be, needs to be announced. Which means that they don't want to find him guilty of murder. But nor do they want to see him walk free. Now, which prospect they dislike more? That's anybody's guess. Yes, Judge, we know how this works. We're lawyers! So who's going to blink? Open to a plea bargain for manslaughter. Oh, Bobby! No. If they come back oh, guilty, you are going God. away for a long time, Jerry. Manslaughter, I can get most of all of it. So, well, time out. Time out. I, yeah. I just have to. I have to just clarify this one last time. Okay. So this man, his no, his daughter was murdered, and that is absolutely horrific. Yeah. But then he chose to go and senselessly shoot this guy. Yes. In cold blood in his head, point blank. Yes. Yeah. He refuses to lie and say he was insane. Right. He refuses to try any sort of defense other than I am it's okay for me to do this. I right. more than any other person am allowed to kill whomever the hell I want as long as they they deserved it. And yeah. now he's being offered instead of life in prison. A manslaughter plea, but no. I only want the jury to say I'm not guilty. That's the only right. thing I'll accept. He's like, I, I will not accept any accountability for this whatsoever. Suspended. If Silverman's offering it, he probably thinks he's losing. Dr. Braun, listen to me. There's no And he's a doctor. <laughs> right. No possible way to tell on this. I think that you should take it. Yes, because you should. No. Gerald, please. I said no. Damn it. You shot him in the face! It isn't just about you. What am I going to do if you go away? I don't know how we're going to get through any of this. But if we're not together, we don't have a chance. Damn it. Jerry. You better act. I could survive being found guilty. I could survive being exonerated. But in between, I don't think I could survive that. What do you... You are found... Like, manslaughter is being found guilty. Now... Granted, this is before Lock Up Raw and Lock Up San Quentin and all those prison shows that I'm obsessed with. Right. But you gotta have some idea that your ass don't want to go to federal prison. Murderer people prison. Do you know what happens in murderer people prison, Keith? Your ass gets murdered. <laughs> Fair enough. I yeah. know. That's hard to understand. But I can't accept manslaughter. Okay. Yeah, I just like... If I'm on this jury, he's guilty. Second degree. Whatever Game degree. Over. 
You're doing. Yeah. I mean, now, since the writing has been fairly strong, I have to say that they must want to portray him as someone who really does have righteous indignation. Well, yeah, well, we're going to get to that in the uh, when the episode's done, but it's really an interesting thing. Hey. Hey. Uh, fully dilated. Any minute. All right. We had to go in court. Great. They have a lot of intimate moments, Judges these two. Let them marry. Hmm. Yeah. What the hell am I doing, Beck? She's 14. I'm asking the judge, what the hell am I doing? She's trying to what keep are you doing? together. You've asked a lot of good questions. She's 14. What does she know? Not a lot. We've yeah. established this. Yeah. I got pregnant when I was 15. And? You got beckered. Mm-hmm. For me, it was the right decision. I mean, I was 15. What was I going to do with a baby? But not a day goes by that I don't think about it. Yeah, They're the saints. She's 14. Having a baby. And planning to get married. Yeah, but she's a girl who's listening to some voice inside telling her what she thinks is right. And I don't know, Eugene. Maybe she is right. I hope she now. is. Now, what just happened there? I think that's a really, speaking of like, you know, scary things to put on television, 1997, I'd see if, if you interpret it the same way, but it seems to me like we're talking about abortion. Like, Absolutely. I don't think it's being subtle that, that about Rebecca, it. That Rebecca, yeah, had an abortion, which I think is, uh, you know, like certainly, I mean, it's, it's touchy now, but back then especially, I thought that was a really well, well-written well-acted scene. She's, you know, and, she's basically been in three scenes this episode, and she's... She's done really good. She's fantastic. She's, a, she's, she's in the running. Yo, oh, yeah. I, I thought it was fantastic, but I also... I loved the writing of that. It's just mm-hmm. so sparse, and yet said way more than they would in a monologue like all you, the other characters. You really did good not to uh, spoil this, but you remember earlier, earlier in the season, <clears throat> we were both lamenting that she was kind of being wasted, and and yeah. I wonder if they were just waiting or if they just hadn't kind of found her yet. But she's really becoming quite a compelling character now. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, just brilliantly acted as well. Yeah. Oh. His poor wife. Will the defendant please rise? Yeah. First season all comes down to this. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, have you reached the a verdict? final verdict? We have. Please proceed. This fool On guilty! The murder in the first degree, we find the defendant, Gerald Braun, not guilty. Whoa! On the charge of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant, Gerald Braun, Bye. Bye, girl. not guilty. Whoa! Get the hell out of here. 
Get the hell out. Come on. And look at the extra behind the mother. You are dismissed. Thank you. That's that's going to be a gifable thing, but... Now, we're supposed to be happy here? Well, the scoring does not indicate that. Well, the score... Our heroes are celebrating. Well, they won. Well, for the record, Bobby's over, or three for three. Yeah, Bobby's killing it. Uh, P.S. Uh, when you're rewatching at home, kids, at this moment, if you if you back up by five seconds, you'll see some of the worst eighty yard extras you've ever seen. <laughs> so, yeah, something like that. You are dismissed. Thank you. That's crazy. It's gonna be. Jimmy did everything he could do to sabotage it. Yeah, Jimmy, man. The client did everything he could do to sabotage it. But when you're as good looking as Bobby Donald, you That's just right. can't lose. All right, hold on. Here is. It's a great, great day. Haircut in the background there. Jimmy, shut up. Why is he washing his face so slowly? You actually are supposed to like scrub and stuff. I know the makeup lady was like, do not put too much water on. Just pat gently. I'm not doing this again. I really pulled out the seams of credibility. You not guilty? I know. Uh, actually, you did it. Can you read the walls in the stall? Uh, no, I tried to. I think if, it says Lebo? They, uh, Le Lobo? Lobo, Lico, Lyco. Danny. When they uh, when they remaster it in HD, we'll find yeah. out we what they said. We went with your theory, and, and the jury agreed. The execution was moral. The accessory charge against me, it still stands? Uh, that'd be tough to make now. I, I wouldn't worry about it. I was, um... I was thinking about maybe getting another lawyer to handle it. Yeah, I figured you got to be fried now. Maybe somebody else should handle it. That, that's probably best. Are we breaking up? I think they're breaking up. Well, again. Great job. So, Eugene sets up his statutory rapist. Mm -hmm. Bobby gets the gets the murderer gets off. Gets the murderer off. Yeah, we're leaving season one. It seems on a really moral uh, <laughs> peculiarity. Really true. Yeah. But they got that money, that sweet, sweet tobacco money. That's true, Danny. Go with God. Good job, Steve. Yeah. Danny. You too. Try not to murder anyone on your way home. 
or accessorize the murderer. Just avoid murder in all... in all accounts. Eugene and Rebecca are meeting the baby. Well, that's a big baby. Isn't he beautiful? <laughs> that's good. Oh, yeah. You know what the rules are? The baby so has to be like here. six months to be on camera. Baby is not an infant. No. How about that? That's a bad edit. Yeah. Baby was asleep. Baby's awake. How about that? Look, babies changed their mind, okay? Cute baby. Cute that baby's baby. almost 20 years old. Yeah. Can we find that baby's IMDb? Who's that baby? Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Uh, I don't think the baby got a uh, a credit. Well, that's a goddamn shame. I know, right? So Terrible. The so the answer is that babies didn't get a credit or you don't want to look? I'm looking. Oh, okay. I'm stalling, okay? <laughs> Jeez. Ladies and gentlemen, we call this the countdown for Keith to find the baby's name in five, four. There's no three, baby listed. Two. Ah. Rebecca, another great take from her. Keith, I'm gonna have to do finish it. the season on Rebecca. Wow. Look at that. We've we did done it. A, uh, we did the whole season. And they said it wouldn't last, Keith. <laughs> oh, wait. I'm looking. I'm watching the credits now. Yeah, why are you watching the credits? For the baby. For the, the baby's not in there. Come on. Why wouldn't the baby get a credit? Oh, I hope it wasn't a non union baby. I have to stop watching the show. <laughs> Ask if it's equity. The baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the baby. Well, because the baby's an extra. It's not a speaking role. Okay, okay, okay. She did. She he cried. Yeah. Well, I I don't know how you would transcribe that in the script. So that's how it works. Okay. So really, uh, I I interested to talk about like the the whole episode. But before that, uh, we have to take care of a couple very important things. Yes. Starting with. Ah, uh, crap. Where is it? Aha! You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Who do you want to go first this week? This week? Oh, I'll go first Because I think it's it's fairly obvious, at least to me That the best actress... In the show is Lisa Gay Hamilton this week. I, I she just, you know, this actually, you know, really this whole season, she's like doing. She's got fifteen words to say per episode, and she is like telling. She's doing movies worth of storytelling within those fifteen words. Yeah, they say what's that cliche? There's it's not the size of the part; it's what you do with it, or something like that. That's about four cliches. <laughs> That was a bastardization of like six cliches. But. Oh my god, you you just George W. Bushed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was gonna. I thought maybe I was gonna be uh, controversial there, but no. I mean, in three, four scenes there, just with some looks, she barely had any lines. Even that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just really strong work. Congratulations, 
Lisa Gay Hamilton on your fake award. Uh, okay, so I guess let's move on to the next award. There it is. Most I realize we did this out of order. We usually do Most Valuable Lawyer first. Oh my god. But you know what? We're mixing it up, guys. Stand your toes. This is the big season finale special. We promised all kinds of fun stuff. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and what did we do? We accidentally uh, put it out of order. Now, this is a really interesting one because uh, I mean, like they won, but I'm not sure I wanted them to win. Yeah, and Bobby was pretty bad, I gotta say. His clothes was bad. Well, maybe I just think it was bad because I just totally disagreed with the tactic, but I guess it was effective. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, I like, I don't want... Like, I, what happens if you're a basketball player, right, and you're, you, you try to throw the game, but you're just so damn good that you can't throw the game and you win? Oh, uh, maybe that's what it is. Do you get the MVP? I mean, we have to award one, you know, and it's... It's not going to Jimmy. Well, hold on. I'll, I'll make a case for Eugene. Eugene was put in a circumstance where he didn't want to do any of the things that uh-huh. the, that they were asking him to do, but that's his job. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so he tried to find the most elegant solution that was actually somewhat appropriate. He brought in a counselor. He attempted to keep the family together whilst getting his his client out of a prison sentence. I mean, that's pretty that's a pretty uh slick maneuver. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh Yeah, okay. Well, I'll go with you. I'll I'll give it to, I'll give it to Eugene uh, while I I I you know, I I hate the game, not the player. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have guessed 45 minutes ago that somehow we'd start the episode uh, with a bizarre diatribe about sexual abuse, and <laughs> and then we'd end up giving the award to the lawyer who then, who, uh... Oh, I believe me, I got more diatribe coming. Oh, okay. Buckle up. Oh, all right, I'm buckled. All right, so there, we've awarded it. There you go. We've done it. So, uh, there's... Now it's time to talk about the whole episode and award... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Okay, so uh, first off, sort of like like what you said earlier, there are two major moral quandaries in this episode, and I'm on the opposite side of the show on both of them. Yeah, I, I, I guess my question would be, if David Kelly were sitting here, what... You know, just like any scene, what are you trying to say? Like, what are, right. what is, what am I taking away from this? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I, I think that they're, especially like the, the murder trial, right? They milked this for almost the entire season and sort of finished in a way that I was like, A, I don't quite believe it. And B, I definitely am on the opposite side of like, this, you know, like, look, I understand why he would kill his daughter's killer. Like, I, I totally get it. But there's a reason you still go to jail for it, even though you get it. <laughs> like, you can't just, like, commit crimes as long as, like, yeah, man, I, I get it. Like, I, I, I'd, I'd want to do that, too. It's just... Yeah, it's a little schlocky, if I'm being honest. Because, you know, generally, you have to... 
the show is yet to, I think, really find its to find its balance or its voice in what is it telling a story about the big picture uh, moral quandaries that lawyers face in defending these types of issues, these these moral gray areas, or is he making issues based arguments? You know what I mean? Yeah. Clearly, the tobacco case was an issues based. He was making a case on television for right big against big tobacco. In this, it feels, at least from my perspective, a little less about the sort of morality of the of the vengeance murder and more about what the lawyers are going through, him and Eugene, you know, with those counterpoint stories, yeah. in defending someone who you are on the other side of it. Just like we're on the other side of the episode, they're on the other side of their client and they're trying to navigate those waters. Yeah, I, I, th- I think there's, there's some truth to that, although I think it goes underexplored. Like, you know, I would, I'd like to spend a lot more time with the argument between what Eleanor is saying and Bobby having to do it anyway, or, the, uh-huh. you know, that, that sort of a deal. It, it really, they spent so much time on like, will he or won't he get off for this? And I thought the, the whole, the whole like Jewish angle, the religious angle, I don't think added anything. No, it's interesting because initially when, when Eleanor was like, I don't want anything to do with this. I thought that it felt initially it played a little snooty because they weren't really making the religious argument. They were saying yeah. it was a justifiable murder because he murdered his daughter, um, which I was kind of on board with. I thought that's an interesting point to make. Um, but now that in, in 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 retrospect, the way it went, it played out. I'm like, I'm on board with her. She's right. They it kind of made a mockery of it. Well, it did, and 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 you know, like from a moral standpoint. There's that. And I think from the from the writing standpoint, from the, the TV standpoint, adding that it felt unnecessary and un- like it felt like they were they were swinging at something that they didn't connect with. It ended up just being like a lot of noise and word salad that really I don't think I, I, I don't think the point was made anywhere. Well, I would say that just like we're wrestling with it, it feels to me like they didn't have something specific. Yeah, they couldn't come up with exactly what they were trying to say, and that's what reads. Yeah, and then it's, well, and yeah, exactly. So they ended up like arguing with themselves, and the the characters were going back on like the like the <laughs> they were making each other's arguments. Sometimes it was sort of a mess in that in that way. Now that said, that yeah. said, some of the finest acting across the board is this episode. Yeah, really. Really, really fine acting. Um, uh, some great scenes. Even the the, ex, uh, the extras were all excellent, <laughs> except for the one I'm going to send you the gif of. Okay. Uh, there's an amazing one. Uh, you know, and, and in terms of the other story, um, it's uh, there's there's a lot going on there, but I think um, you know, making the argument that they're in love and they should be together, end up together, and take care of the kid. Like, okay, like, I see a world in which that could, it could end that way, but you, you have a 19, 18 year old sleeping with a 13 year old. If they just, you must be held accountable for that. That is, that just can't be pushed under this, under the carpet. If he, he serves his time, they come back and they're both adults they're both making decisions as adults. They then decide to reconnect and be together. That's fine. But you there you have to deal with the accountability and you have to let make these decisions 
after accountability and when they're both adults able to make a decision. Yeah, or change the or change the script so that okay, she was 14 at the time but now she's 8. I mean she it's still he still can't sleep with her. Right. Right. No, totally. And and you know and I don't think you should be allowed to get married when you're 14. Period. To anybody. It's just we bizarre. It's bizarre. And it, the the other thing that it made me think of now, I didn't read the press from 97, but was this like shock drama television? I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, it certainly was like the show itself was like, ooh, it's going to be another steamy, crazy, you know, episode. <clears throat> uh, you know, it, I, there was some controversy sometimes here and there. I don't know if, about this particular episode. Um, but I'll tell you what it did make me think about. And I actually looked it up. The race of these kids. I think is a factor here because uh, it's radio there. They were both black and black children. And I looked it up and I, I can point to an article on the American Psychiatric Association that black children as part of institutional racism are treated as older than they are. And so, you know, both uh, by police, you know, they assume the 13 year old is an adult and the same with the with the girls, uh, and it, it the fact that they're black and being treated as older. You realize she's fourteen, but you just like the institutional racism will treat that person as an adult, and you'll go to it, it more likely to be sentenced as an adult um, based on race. And I think it's like that's a factor here that maybe we weren't talking in those terms back in the nineties, but I think it's. I think if these were two white kids, the show would be treating it differently. Um, it also, but that would have been a great, uh, a great avenue to explore uh, to explore as well. But we didn't. Yeah. No, we didn't. You know what I mean? In we fact, didn't. they made they made almost zero mention or indication or any point about the race whatsoever. Yeah, and and I think that there's, you know, I I think that's just another piece of the puzzle. Um, that you know, I I think if the show were made today, would be explored, uh, and isn't. So so yeah. So I was gonna say so to, you know, to put a point on it. The it sounds like we both. I like the direction the show is going in. I think it's getting stronger. It's finding its voice, but it it dropped the ball here as far as bringing it to uh, to bring it to a finale here. So I I just I don't think this is the greatest episode. No, and it, it it's interesting. I. If I could go back and look at it again while you're dying, I'm, I'm glad you have a cough button. You look like you just hacked up a lung. Yeah, I, I found my mute. Oh, nice. Um, if I were mapping the season out, we should be we should have finished the tobacco case in this episode because that has more momentum. It has a clarity to it. It has a um, you know, you're rooting for your characters to get like to, I would love to finish the season on that big win now, as opposed to this case, which it seems like the show found it much more interesting than mm-hmm. I did. Now, I, I, once again, a better podcast, but what was the gap between the end of this and then the beginning of next season? Uh, it, f- this finishes in April, then season two started September 20th. So that's quite a gap. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a t- it was a normal off season. Yeah, because this was a mid season pickup. So, but that's not that's not a cliffhanger. No, it's I not mean, a cliffhanger. A, yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, we need to uh, we need to award some tire stacks. 
6.5. Okay. <sighs> Let me see. So five is an average episode. I, I give it, you know, uh, another half point for the acting, at least. But I think I'm going mm-hmm. to... I'm going to have to give it a five and a half. So I guess we settle in around a six. Settle in a six. So not the strongest finish to no. a season, uh, but planted some some interesting character beats, planted some seeds here and there, and I think it's... Um, I'm excited for season two because there's there's some really fun stuff coming up. There's some fun uh, guest actors coming up. It's gonna be it's gonna be good fun. I mean, buckle up yourself, Keith. I mean, we completed season one, but it was sort of a tester. I mean, only six episodes, but now we're in. I mean, we have we have made a bed, and I guess we have to jump in now. Well, we're we're jumping, we're jumping. I'm gonna jump into some playout music. So stick around. Uh, next week we begin season two of the mm. practice and uh, season two of our podcast of Out of Practice. Wow, look at that! Are we taking a week off or we're going right into season two? To be determined. But you yes. know what? Where can people uh, email and complain about us taking a week off if we do? Follow Spot Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Really? Is any of that right? Th- th- think about what you just said. Follow Spot Podcast. Say it back oh in my your- goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Out of practice podcast. I mean, that's probably still an email address. Out of practice podcast at gmail.com or the blog at followspotpodcast.blogspot.com. Damn it! <laughs> you, know, you, didn't, you didn't realize you did it twice. <laughs> Thank you for plugging our podcast from 10 years ago. <laughs> Oh man! You know what? We we promised we would have a fancy um, party celebration for the end of season one. At the end of this episode, we will play the theme song from the from the now dead Follow Spot podcast for our avid listener. I think you're party. You should take a nap. Yeah, you're right. Laser sounds. Laser sounds. Live from Broadway and Thirty Third Street in Queens. It's the Follow Spot Podcast, featuring your hosts, Russell and Mike. Two straight guys talking about Broadway. Two straight guys talking about Broadway. Two straight guys talking about Broadway. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. <laughs> this podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of One. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20 bucks.